0: Hello and welcome to the Adventures with Daniel podcast. On this podcast, we discuss outdoor recreation and adventures. Our primary focus is on human-powered adventures and recreation such as hiking, biking, camping, and flat water paddle sports. We'll also be talking about overlanding, radio control, and just about anything else that I'm passionate about. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Daniel Muldoon. All right, so today I have a uh, book review that we're going to be going over. It's an overlanding book. I haven't spoken much about overlanding on the show, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in, and this book is just so great that I couldn't help but share it with everybody. So I want to go over some of the chapters and then some of the content, and then I'll give you the name of the book so that you can go check it out, and I'll include a link below as well. I really think it's worth a read for anybody that's into overlanding and car camping exploration and those types of things. It's just a really neat piece of literature and um, I think you'll do yourself well to read it. So we're going to jump right in I'm going to go over the chapters with you because I think that this is obviously the crux of most books is what is it about right so we'll cover those and then we'll continue forth from there. So chapter one is why do we overland? number two is the importance of the right equipment number three is the car and the pack number four is water containers number five is the cooking kit number six is the cooking fire number seven is food boxes number eight is the night sleep number nine is sleeping in the car ten is a combination beds and tents eleven is motor camping or overlanding tents number Twelve is the camp trailer. Number 13 is furnishings. Number 15 is getting out of trouble. Number 15 is overlanding trails. 16 is where to go overlanding. And 17 is overlanding laws, rules, and regulations. So I actually ended up renaming a couple of those chapters, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But you get the gist of it the book goes really in-depth about all the various things of overlanding. Now, I think probably one of the most important parts of this book, beyond the content, is when it was written. I think this is going to blow your mind, or at least it did with me. So this book was originally written and get this, 1921. So a hundred years ago, people were talking about overlanding like they are today. So The name of the book is called The Motor Camping Book. It's by Elon Jessup. And uh, I got the version by Double Bit Press. But uh, the interesting thing is, obviously, this was called motor camping back in 1921 and not overlanding. But if you take the word motor camping and replace it with overlanding, you have basically the exact same thing. So chapter one was not why do we overland, it's why do we motor camp. And they go through, and some of the other, like Chapter 11, for example, is motor camping tents, not overlanding tents. But I just think it is so cool that in 1921, which is not, what, a couple of decades after the car was really kind of a mainstream thing, people were already seeking the open road. And remember, as we consider ourselves adventurers today, and we're doing these cross-country off-road trips in our highly modified vehicles, these folks were doing that in virtually stock Ford Model A's and T's and Packard's and, you know, other 1920s and teens-era vehicles to include cross-country trips, and they did not have nearly the road infrastructure that we did today, so these individuals were traveling a lot on dirt. Um, Similar to us, however, we have to seek dirt because now there's so much asphalt and pavement and concrete that we have to find roundabout ways to get to the dirt you know in these days these folks spent a lot of time just specifically on the dirt that was the only option and um, so just like today motor camping in the 1920s was an escape from reality basically at the time when people started motor camping you only really had one other option and that was a train so you'd take a train wherever the train went You know, the train could only follow the tracks that were already there. In fact, here's a a cool quote. It says, Our own open road was usually one hedged in by two steel rails, which not a few times led us to a country boarding house of uncertain quality. And as time, tides, and through trains stop for no man, so we flashed by green beckoning hills that called in vain. I understand that even today there are some people who continue to travel on railroads and stop at hotels and country boarding houses. However, obviously, Elon Jessup, the author of this book, was promoting the motor camp and not the train. um, Because you didn't have to go only to the stops that the train was taking you. If you saw these open fields, meadows, and mountains, you could just take your vehicle over there and go camp there. You know, obviously, um, today is a little bit different. There's a lot more private property, um, ranches, and those types of things. So, you know, there's some additional regulation that we deal with today. But um, there's folks in here that traveled across the world, across the country, in, uh, you know, these 20s-era automobiles, sometimes with families in tow, and uh, they have – Their version of rooftop tents and sleeping in the car, and they have their versions of these cook stoves, and their versions of mattresses, and their versions of water containers. And it's so unique and exciting to think what these individuals were going through a hundred years ago. Um, So, for example, there's a photo in here, and there's a tent that attaches to the side of the vehicle. um, So the tarp basically goes from like the roof line and the windshield area and you stake it out to the ground off the side of the vehicle and then you could put your um, t- your bedding under there and so you had sort of some protection and your vehicle was was part of that um, and these vehicles had wooden wheels for the most part so you'd have to bring you know extra wheels or be able to make the repairs they needed oil often it's not like today where we just put oil in our vehicle and we don't even look at it for 10,000 miles you'd have to oil and And maintain these vehicle every, you know, few dozen or hundred miles, depending on the model and the make and how many miles were on it. Um, And most of the storage was actually on the outside of the car, sort of like it is today, I suppose. If you look at all these roof racks and bed racks and so forth that we have. But, you know, these vehicles weren't designed like they are today. So the running boards is where the majority of the gear was stashed and you'd have canvas duck. Uh, like almost canoe bags that you'd store your gear in and mount on the running boards. Or, you know, if you had a uh, a version with a back seat, then you could, you know, and there's only one or two of you, you could use the back seat like we do today, or the suicide seat off the back, you could store in, Uh, maybe a rear bumper rack. But um, it's just, very cool to think that a hundred years ago people had the same wanderlust spirit that we had and they do reference like gypsies in the book and how it's really not possible for most people to live the full quote gypsy lifestyle but this is kind of a a prototype or a version of that that During the work week, you go and make the money that you need to make, and then on the weekends, you can go be a gypsy, and you can take your car, and you can go travel to faraway places and see things that you may not have seen before and visit towns and cities that you, you know, had never seen before and uh, take your family with you and um, just explore. And, you know, they have a lot of images in the book. They have even – cradles for babies that would mount inside of the back seat that were sort of suspended so as you were bouncing around on these unmaintained dirt rutted roads your uh, infant would be less disturbed I imagine it was still disturbed to some extent but you know, less disturbed and uh, as you flip through the pages and going through the cooking kits they mention things like the luncheon kits and um, steelware versus aluminumware frying pans and um, how to keep food cool in your cooler they have uh, a whole kit for example like their kitchen kit includes a four quart cooking pot one six quart cooking pot one two and two and a quarter quart coffee pot can't go without that ten and a half inch fry pan two one pint bowls two three quarter pint cups two plates salt and pepper knives forks teaspoons and tablespoons and then they have a four-person set in here that was typical of the day. So if you're interested in recreating a 1920s overlanding kit, you could do so. And, man, if that's not something that intrigues me, I don't know what does. I am, Just imagine purchasing one of these 1920s-era vehicles with some of the gear that they had of the day, which was all robust but very heavy, very difficult to pack. Nesting wasn't really a thing at the time. I mean, it was definitely coming around, and the military had been doing some of it, but you know, carrying over into the um, recreational world wasn't obviously where it is 100 years later where we're at today. Um, so, for example, this six-person aluminum cooking kit that they mention in here has 51 pieces and weighs 13 and a half pounds. I mean, some people are are backpacking the Appalachian Trail, and their entire gear kit weighs, you know, not substantially more than that. Now, it's it's not enough for 16 people, but this was just their cooking stuff, not their clothing, not their tent, not their fuel, not their water, not even their food. This was just strictly the preparation utensils um, to prepare the food so you know it is just so neat the illustrations that they put through here how to make a cooking fire some of the old stoves that you can purchase that honestly today i think would still function really well especially you know for the overlanding you're not looking for ultralight it's much more about like the robust and the usefulness of the item i mean you're limited in space obviously but not to the extent on if you're like a backpacker for example and uh you know, a lot of the, the designs, the Coleman Company and, and these companies, even that are out there today, um, had these designs 100 years ago. So, you know, one of them, like those mesh broiler racks, if you've seen them, where you, like, put fish between them or meat between them so that you can cook over the fire. Um, you know, they had those, those things back then. Solar ovens or, I'm sorry, uh, broiler ovens that, like, radiant heat off of the fire were used obviously bug nets were a big thing they had um, tables that attached to chuck boxes that were connected to the running boards of your vehicle kind of like we do today off of bumpers and tailgates you know they didn't have those things the tailgates and the bumpers like we do today but they have all these unique food boxes made out of wicker and you know part of it would be on ice and part was for food now we have fridges I don't know if that's good or worse but um, you know these these individuals were able to get out and explore it with substantially less creature comforts their sleeping bags and 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 uh, blankets were wool and canvas a lot of times very heavy 20 pounds plus maybe for a sleeping arrangement and if you had two or three of you in the vehicle then you had you know a lot of gear to carry cotton duck tents were a big thing still are today if you're in the you know hunting world a lot of times you'll use cotton duck or if you're setting up a long-term camp you've got those cotton duck tents Um, very robust and heavy duty but hard to transport take a long time to set up cots were a big thing Um, if you're familiar with the camp right cot tent there's a version of that back in the 1920s where basically they just draped a wooden frame around the cot and then hung either masher or, or fabric from that to make your own little private sleeping platform. Um, there was tents that were built sort of off the cots as well. If you're familiar with like the lean-to tent style, that was often used in the era. Um, they had an outdoor rug that converted into a bag shape so you could use it for that. And uh, they mention here the, the campgrounds and the types of campgrounds that they would visit. Obviously, national parks were becoming a thing. So people were, were getting a desire to visit these national parks and see what it was that other people were talking about. And the newspapers were writing about these beautiful spanses of land that the government was bringing on for protection for future generations. So... I just, I love this book, and I couldn't help myself but to get it out in front of as many people as I can. Maybe you've already read it. Um, if so, I mean, what do you think? Like, as I just flip through these pages as I'm talking to you right now, there's uh, literally a bed mount rooftop tent on the back of a 1920s vehicle. It was called a tento bed. The bed is four foot, uh, six inches wide and six foot, four inches long, and Sat on the back of like a Model T, and you know I just it's like for many years I thought overlanding was a new thing, this new term, and the gear was new. And while maybe the materials are, the concept is as old as the vehicle itself. You know, basically as soon as people could start pedaling and and um, driving, they were using those tools to get to further areas than they could just by foot um, they had a roller bed tent for example and it has a hair mattress and they would pack that on the running board um, the tents that we already went over um, the camping trailers how cool i'm a big proponent of camping trailer i had a Jayco 10 rk for quite some time. I've got a YouTube video about it and I think a blog on my website as well if you want to check those out. It was a great camper trailer. Um, you know, built b- to different standards than these were in the 1920s, but these are very very cool. I mean, they were the pack mule of the day. Uh these folks had a sectional rowboat that they were taking with them as well. So today you see bicycles and kayaks and Camp trailers, and those things have been existing for a 100-plus years. Um, Some of the trailers were fold-out tent trailers, much like we see today. Some of them were hard-sided. That started, um, you know, a little later on. I can't remember the year exactly, but um, there was uh, hard-sided trailers popping up that people were, were carrying with them as well. Tables made out of wood and metal and collapsible tables. Those wall pockets, if you've seen those that like hang on the back of your front seat so that you can put stuff into them. Even tire chains. So they had, you know, the, the action or a max tracks basically that would just go around your tire the or, or chains and straps and just really awesome stuff. So I had to put this in front of you because I've been super excited about it and I finally got around to doing it again. The name of the book is The Motor Camping Book. It's by Elon Jessup. I have the Legacy Edition um, by Double Bit Press, which I strongly recommend. Double Bit did a great job of keeping the integrity of the images. um, Instead of just like a photocopy of the old book that they reprint, they really took the time to make it look nice. They have good quality drawings from the original book actual pictures from the original book it's very intact I mean, I mean maybe if you could find a first edition or a actual printed version from the 20s would that not be cool I'm sure it exists out there somewhere I didn't have the time or the resources um, to get it but this version works well so I would pick it up flip through it compare it to your overlanding kit today you know what are the similarities what are the differences? Does it excite you to think that, you know, a hundred years ago, people would just jump in their Model A's or their Model T's or their other vehicles of the time. They didn't have the maps we have today. They didn't have the repair stations we have today. They didn't have cell phone coverage that we have today. They didn't have GPS tracking devices that would tell their loved ones if they were lost or hurt. Um, It's just interesting because while I believe that there are Lots of adventures to be had today. Times in the past, everything was an adventure, you know. Uh, right now we can pull up a Google image of a watering hole at uh, 11,000 feet here in the Rocky Mountains. Whether we ever get there with our feet, who knows. But we can see it on a map and, you know, to think that the the resources didn't exist and the man still had a desire to search and seek and explore the land that we're in and the using the tools that we've created Just really beautiful stuff. So thanks so much for taking the time to listen to my review about the Motor Camping book today. I loved everything about it. Uh, Call me biased. This is just the type of literature that really gets me going. So I couldn't give you any bad things uh, or any reason to not read it. If you have any interest in history, any interest in travel, any interest in overlanding, any interest in, in gear and kit, then I think this book will just serve you well. It's a pretty easy read. uh, It's great to just re-flip through as you get the desire or bring with you on an overlanding trip and really kind of immerse yourself in the older days of overlanding or as they call it, motor camping. Alrighty, I'm going to wrap it up on that. Thanks for spending your time with me today. I truly appreciate it. Don't forget to visit my website, adventureswithdaniel.com. Check me out on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash adventurewithdaniel. with Daniel. trying to push out as much content as I can. I am so grateful for everybody that's taken the time to listen and read and uh, visit, and I'd love to have you on the show. If you're interested in history or camping, overlanding, radio control, jeeps, uh, you know, stuff like that, then let's have a conversation about it. I would uh, greatly appreciate that. My email is daniel at uh, daniel at adventureswithdaniel.com, or you can connect with me through my website as well. Thanks again. Until we chat, remember to adventure on.